0: Next week, we're getting ready to start a six-week uh, message series that I've been waiting for a long time and excited about as we lead up to this thing called Easter. Yeah, that's right around the corner. It's April Fool's Day, uh, but that's not a joke. Um, it, it is April 1st. It's a Sunday. And if you're following along with the, what they call the liturgical calendar, um, we have just now passed the 40 days leading up to... Some, so some of you may have celebrated Ash Wednesday on Wednesday. Got something on your, your forehead. Uh, unfortunately, that was also the day of the the shooting, so uh, down there at Parkland. So um, some of my friends are teachers, and they have kids at that school. Um, so it's just real hard to to see. You know, they've got kids in their band now, um, so the baritone section and the color guard section is missing two or three kids. And it's just it's weird. So it's just be in prayer for those families um, who are affected um, by that. And you know, it, I invite you to. I need a small soapbox. There, I'm on it. Um, so, you know, especially if you're on social media uh, this this time and all these shootings come out and, and people want to talk about um, guns and control and not guns and not control and what legislation needs to be done, you know what the, they need? They need prayer. Um, and I saw this, this uh, meme of a T-shirt. You may have seen it circulating around. I said, you know, um, well, why is there so much violence in schools? You know, Well, God, on this t-shirt, God says, well, you took me out of schools. And not only is that um, 1% true, it's also bad theology. Um, let's think about that for a second. Um, God needs our hearts. And if those hearts occupy those schools, he will be in those schools. Um, and if those hearts in the government have God... God is in the government and in our politics and in our legislation. So we need to pray. We need to pray for, not on legislation, there are things to be passed or not passed. We need to pray for a revival in our country, for God to, to come on and, and, and power for us to be part of that change, um, to be spreading the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, into those hearts and into those lives. You know, the kids predicted, this is one of the most frustrating things, the kids predicted that this would be the guy to come shoot. And somewhere in your life, there's a person who might just be a bit on the fringe. Maybe it's that annoying friend, or they seem like a loner or something. I want to invite you this week, reach out. Because those people need Jesus just as much as anybody else. One of the reasons they're left out is a fringe, because no one's reached out to them. Maybe they're they're that odd duck. Maybe they're that friend that you really don't like. Or maybe they, I don't know, fill in the blank. It's your blank to fill in. But there's someone in your circle, your sphere of influence, that you have the ability to help affect and change for the glory of God and to pour into their lives. Now, it's easy for me to say up here, I'm on a platform, right? But you all have a platform, and your platform isn't social media. Your platform isn't, you know getting up and standing on the street corner or passing out tracks. Your platform isn't standing on a, uh, with a sign or emailing your, your local senator for winds of change in the government. Your platform is your home. It's your family. Your platform is your workplace. So I encourage you, if you're going to say something on social media, give an encouraging word. Pray for somebody. If you're going to pray for someone, actually pray. Don't just post a meme or a picture say, I'm going to pray for you and then, and then do nothing. And the hashtags and the Twitter feeds go a few weeks later and then nothing's done and nothing's forgotten. But prayer makes an eternal difference. An eternal difference. So pray for someone. Pray that God can continue to bring good as only He can do out of this horrible situation. Because good, con- good can come out of this. God can use this for good now we may not know what that looks like but he can pray for the families who are affected by this tragedy who now have lost loved ones and kids who would have had a whole life ahead of them just snuffed out just by going to school pray for the shooter he's still alive his heart can still be changed and maybe yes in prison for the rest of his life could be a voice for change for someone else who's in prison and be a light within a cell block. You see where I'm going with this? You you all have a platform. I want to invite you to, to pray for just one minute right now about who God is calling you to reach out to in your life and then pray for those other things that we've talked about. So let's take a moment. God, may we be a people who are not afraid to pray, no matter when, no matter where, no matter with whom. As we talk to you, as we have conversations back and forth, as we listen to your word for us, may we be just drawn into your presence and help be the change for the, for the community that other people would come to, to know and see who you are through maybe just a small glimpse of who we are. Because you can use the best and the worst part of us to help change someone else. We may not even know when or how. And we lift up the shooting in the school's And all the other tragedies that have happened this week that haven't even made the news. Police officers dying in car crashes in Titusville, and just the things that happen in day to day life that now are just brushed under the bridge. My God, for each one of us, you've called us to lean into your truth, to stand firm from Ephesians, once we put on the full armor of God, sometimes he closes out, Paul writes, it's just good enough just to stand. After withering all the, the fiery darts that happened in the world and from Satan, just trying to, to tear your good things apart. May we stand firm. May we be a light in a community, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. May we not take our light and hide it under that basket. and we take the, the light that you've given us through the saving, resurrecting power of your Son, Jesus Christ, and shine that light out to all who would see. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. So I've been kind of in a place of, um, I don't know, wandering over these last few weeks, and I've had a great time to be able to sit out where you are um, and spend some time just being there as people like Jessica Gandhi and Travis Dixon have shared their Stories. Before we launch in the new series next week, which, small plug, I'm really excited about, uh, it's, called, it's called Victory, and, um, and I'm excited about that. Before we launch in there, I just want to take a moment and remind you of a guy named Bezalel. Who knows who Bez- Bezalel is? Anyone? Show of hands? One? I'm going for two? Anyone? Two? Maybe there's a two in the back. Come on, Yvonne. I know you know. <laughs> Bezalel. You guys know who Bezalel is? Oh my gosh, we're going to learn so much from Bezalel today. Bezalel is the man who made the Ark of the Covenant. Oh yeah, that thing from Indiana Jones. No, no, no. (laughs) Yes, technically. It was where the tablets and the glory of God was kept and always carried before the armies of the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. For the last few weeks, picking up on kind of where Travis left off, and then the week before, we've kind of been in Exodus. So we're going to close out this three-week non-series series series today in Exodus. So I invite you to turn there to Exodus chapter 33. I want to read a lot of Scripture to you today, because honestly, hopefully that's why you're here, um, to hear the Word of the Lord and be in His presence. I want to start with Exodus chapter 33. Verses 7 through 11. And while you turn there and find that, or turn on your smartphone to to get there, this is right after Moses has come down from the mountain with the first set of the Ten Commandments, the two tablets. Yes, there were two sets, right? He's come down from the mountain from the first set, and he saw the golden calf that Aaron and the Israelites had put together to worship this idol. They say this is what brought us out of Egypt. And Moses is like, you're kidding me, right? Pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, God parting the Red Sea, fire separating us from the Egyptians, and this small golden moo moo cow is what you say got you out of Egypt. You're kidding me, right? So he throws down the two tablets, breaks the tablets, and then he has some serious talks with all the Israelites, right? And I want to while you're turning there, this is one of the best parts I think in all of the Old Testament. So Aaron comes in. Let's let's, uh, Exodus chapter thirty-two, right? And, um, so Aaron, um, takes up, uh, all their gold in verse two, chapter 32. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. All the gold, right? So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in the ears and brought them to Aaron. And Aaron was the priest. He was the kind of the right hand man at that time of Moses. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your the gods of Israel who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it and made a proclamation and said, we're going to worship the Lord later, right? So then fast forward to chapter 32 later on, right? So um, (laughs) Moses comes down, he sees all this. He comes on, like, you're kidding me with this calf, right? And Moses now picks up in... um, verse 23 he's asking me and said you know and Aaron says for they said to me make us gods who shall go before us he's trying to pass the buck as for this Moses the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt we don't know what has become of him because he was up there for 40 days right so I said to them let have any gold take it off so they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf (laughs) let's go back again I I put the gold in the fire and out out came this calf so again not wanting to take any responsibilities. I want to start out with that this morning because all of us, by our, the passages we're going to read this morning, all of us have to take some degree of responsibility of where we're hopefully going to end up this morning. So Exodus chapter 33, I'm going to begin in verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. The Tent of meeting. I want you to remember that. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent, kind of like a daily parade of, oh, there goes Moses going into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud, because it didn't go away. We think, oh, it was only there for like while they were running away from the Egyptians, right? Nope. Tent of cloud, still there. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man who speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua the son of Nun, but he did have a mom and dad, um, Joshua, the son of Nun, okay, we'll get it, a young man, this is the first mention of Joshua here, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. So he'd stay with the tent and kind of, of guard it and make sure everything was was normal, And because that was a space reserved, set aside, sacred for the Lord. Later on in this chapter, I'll kind of give you the Cliff Notes version, but I do encourage you to go back if you have time go back and read chapter 33 through 40 of Exodus. I'm not going to cover all of it today, I'm going to kind of do the, the overview, but a lot of cool, cool stuff in here. So at the end of chapter 33, Moses is having these interactive, you know, conversations with the Lord in this tent of meeting, and Moses like pretty much asked, hey, well, can I see you? Can I see your glory? Because the whole time, right, he was covering. Them. The Lord's like, well, no one can look on my glory and live. So I'll tell you what, we're gonna go out tomorrow because we gotta make some new commandments, and I'm gonna renew my covenant with you because you kind of destroyed those other two tablets. So we're gonna make some new tablets. That's okay. You know, you had an Android, now we're gonna get a new tablet. You know, we get an iPad. So we old out with the old, in with the new. We're gonna make some new tablets. I'm gonna renew my covenant with you. We're gonna go out there, and I will tell you what, I'll hide you in a small part of a rock, and you can see my backside when I walk by because no one can look upon the glory and live. So this is the plan, and this happens, right? So now we're going to move on into Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. And he said, behold, this is the Lord, I am making a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels, such as not been created in all the earth or in any nation. In other words, God's going to outdo himself, because he made creation. He's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all those people who are occupying that so-called promised land we're on our way to. Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. In other words, don't get too comfortable. Remember that I'm God, and don't get all friendly, friendly, buddy-buddy with these people. They are of the world. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their asherim, for you shall worship no other god. For the Lord your God, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And again, this is him talking about himself. So we understand what's happening. Like, I'm going to be really upset if you do what you did again, like yesterday, you're going to do it again. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you're invited, you eat of his sacrifice, you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods and make your sons gods, or whore after their gods, only lusting and wanting everything else that the world has. You shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal, and that's set aside from everything else. Why? Because they just made a golden calf, and so this is like, you know, if. I hear my mom's voice in the tone of Exodus 34 and 35 just coming in and be like, no, you need to do this, and you need to do this. And make sure, you know, whenever I went on a trip, my mom said, call me all along the way. You know, anywhere, I, I went anywhere, I'm like, Mom, I'm, I'm like 34. <laughs> call me all along the way. You know, just let me know. What, all right, Mom, I'm getting gas. Okay. You know, like, Mom, I'm 95. Okay. And she's, you know, loves she's so She's telling me kind of all these things, do this, do this, do that, and make sure I tell them. This is kind of where God's coming in. Don't make any more cast idols. Like, you just did this, no more of that. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. We're going to move, move on. Verse 20, the firstborn of a donkey. That's fun. Again, it's worth reading, but maybe later. Six days you shall work. Verse 21, you know, and you take, work six days, and then make sure you, you take a day off. A Sabbath, a holy, keep it for the Lord. You know, three times a year, you know, you're going to make all the guys, you know, appear before the God of Israel. So I will cast out nations before you, and I'm going to enlarge your borders. And people are going to be jealous of your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened. So I guess, you know, maybe he's got the gluten allergy, or let the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover remain until the morning, right? He's kind of given all this list of things. The best are the first fruits of your ground. You shall bring to the house, bring all the best, right? Oh, oh, and, and don't forget this. Uh, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. He's like, in my mind, I'm like, you know, God is having these conversations with Moses, and he's walking away, and he's like, oh, oh, and don't forget, yeah, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. That's just gross. So, okay, we're good, we're good, Moses. Okay, and he he goes away, right? And the Lord said to Moses, write these words. For in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So Moses wrote it down. So he was there with the Lord, back on the mountain, 40 days and 40 nights. He ate no bread, nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now remember, Moses wanted to see the glory of the Lord, right? So when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. He did not know he looked different. Apparently there were no mirrors on Mount Sinai. So he had no idea he's coming down the mountain changed because of God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone. Like, he's glowing. I know, it's, maybe it's Maybelline. No, 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 you're, you're really glowing, Moses. You're glowing. Aaron and all the people, they, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with him, he put a veil over his face. Probably because he was freaking everybody else out. When Moses, whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. Remember the tent of what? The tent of, tent of meeting. Good, you remembered. He would remove the veil until he came out. When he came out and told the people of Israel what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face was shining. and Moses would then put the veil over his face again until he went in. To speak with him. After this, things move pretty fast. So in chapter 35, they kind of walk through this period where they say, you know what, this tent of meeting, now after the word of the Lord, he's given us some directions of, of what to do with this tabernacle, what to do with this tent of meeting. So all of chapter 35, we'll call that the giving and the consecrating. So all, all the finest things, the finest craftsmen, Bezalel comes forward to, to make this Ark of the Covenant, and Ohio Lab right, is apparently this really great guy with with skins and, and fabric and weaving. So he comes together and to make fabric, and a whole bunch of people come together, give the best of what they have, So you know what, we've done the golden calf thing, we've doubted God, we're going to put everything back into the temple, back into the tabernacle, for the Lord, where God gets the best. So they, that's the giving. The second thing they do is the consecrating. Once everything has been given, they don't do anything with it yet. They just thank God for it and say, it's here, right? And a lot of times we get that confused because if you, if you had a kid or if you grew up with a brother or sister, you know this because there's a big difference between what we'll call giving and consecrating. Giving is, here, uh, you can play with my toy. That's giving, consecrating is like this is a toy and it's no longer my toy it's your toy and it's whatever you want to do with it you see the difference see, giving is just putting some I, I, I give this bible to the stool right consecrating was stool this is now your bible um, do with it whatever you, you'd like to do to which stool said you get the point so there's a big difference between giving and consecrating. Right? After that, they, they come together, after they've given everything, the best of everything, and they consecrated, they said, no matter what, this is for the Lord's. This gold, this fabric, this best of the best, cannot be used, cannot be touched for anything else. But I want it. Doesn't matter, it's the Lord's. We've given it to him and we've consecrated it. We've set it aside, right? And then in chapter 36 through 39, God pretty much goes all, you know, DIY network with the people. And they, they go through this list of what to build and how to build it. And they, you, you can read this for yourself. Again, pretty interesting lead, reading for later. But chapter 36, 37, 38, and 39, like making the table, making the lampstand, making the altar of inserts. So it's like step-by-step directions that we're just not going to go through right now. But pretty cool if you'd ever like to replicate the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. You can do that because it's all there. So they go through all of this stuff and they make all this stuff. They give the best. They have consecrated the best. All right. And then we call this period the constructing so we have the giving, you following with me? We have the consecrating, and now we have the constructing, the actually the building of the things together that God has already been given and consecrated. Now the people are like, okay, now we're going to, to do something with it. We've already given it for your glory. We've set it aside for your glory. Now we're going to put it together for your glory. All right? And then Exodus chapter 40, now God goes all HGTV. And so now the, the tent is set up, and Moses puts up the pillars, and you can read this there, because then the Lord says, okay, now put this here, ooh, and lampstand, all right, that goes over there. And literally, this is, this is what's happening in chapter 40. Um, and decorate this and all this lampstand, ooh, I love that lampstand. Um, a little chiffonade, and put it over there, all right, now put a little rug there, ooh, and the table in the middle, and this gold thing, right? So that he organizes everything in the temple, right? Whew, I know, it's a lot. All right, Exodus chapter 40. Now we're going to pick up in verse 17. Exodus chapter 40, verse 17. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, and set up the veil of the screen, and screened all the stuff that they put together, the ark of the testimony, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil, and arranged the, the bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So he does all these things as the Lord commanded, commands him. And finally, verse 33, Moses finished the work. And then, after the giving, after the consecrating, after the constructing, Now what? Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to even enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, and we forget this later on into Deuteronomy and into Joshua and the stories that we know of where the Israelites and the mighty men go and conquer places like Jericho, but we forget that throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the taber- tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So when we come back around to where we were at a few weeks ago, with Joshua saying, the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. He knows this firsthand, right? Because who's still guarding and outside and with Moses every step of the way setting up this temple? Joshua, son of Nun, right? He's seen this firsthand. The cloud and the the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire did not end when the, the Egyptians chased him and then were annihilated. It continued. The glory of the Lord continued. And they didn't move on Without the Lord. We read that, right? You all understand? This really simple, really simple concept. Oh, the cloud's still there. Okay, we're not going anywhere. All right. Oh, the cloud moved. All right, let's go. So for every battle, for every Jericho, for every crossing the Jordan, this cloud would have had to be lifted. Otherwise, the Israelites were like, we stay put. Okay, cloud's still there. We're not going anywhere. They did not move on throughout any of their journeys, without any of their travels, without the presence. Now, this tent of meeting, tent of meeting leads us to close with maybe a twist on this whole thing of everything that we've read this morning. You see, God does not need a building. So, with where we are as a church moving forward, God doesn't need a building, right? Here it was a tent. God does not need a building, but He wants a space. So if we're gonna write something down, write this down. God doesn't need a building, but He wants a space. He wants a space to be set aside, to be consecrated, to be made holy. He said, You know what? This is only for the Lord. And too many of us in, in our daily lives, we don't leave that space anymore. Our schedules just weave together day and out, and we have lacrosse here and basketball there, and go, 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 go. Every minute of every day filled it with something, and nothing is set aside. Oh, I give God an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. Score. You see the disconnect, right? Nothing is actually set aside. Nothing is actually consecrated for the Lord. God does not need a building. And if we, wherever we go, we need to understand that. Even in this space right here, right now, God doesn't need a building. But He wants a space. He wants a space to be set aside, to be made holy. The second part of this is the space He wants is your heart. See, God doesn't need a building, he doesn't even need a tent, but he wants a space. And the space he wants is your heart. If you still have your Bibles, I invite you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, like John 3.16, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's, what, temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you? Let's read that again. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? See, we don't have a tent of meeting anymore. All that's done, it's gone. But the cloud and the fire still exist. The presence of the Holy Spirit. And we are God's tent of meeting. Or we should be, Right? But are we? Are we a place to where we can meet and have conversations with the Lord? Just by ourselves. Nothing else. What about 2 Corinthians chapter 3? And I'll just turn there and just read this to you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. This is Paul writing again to the same same church at a later date. I love this because it says, and, "And you show that you are a letter from Christ, by your living, by your being attentive meeting, you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. not on tablets of stone." You see the Moses connect, right? Not, not on tablets of stone anymore, but on tablets of human what's the last one? Hearts, on tablets of human hearts. See, God doesn't need a building, but he wants a space, and the space he wants is your heart. See, this building or any other building we're going to go into as we journey in what what lies ahead for us does us no good unless we are willing to give, to consecrate, concentrate, consecrate, there it is, give, to concentrate, I did it again, consecrate. (laughs) See, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate, and I'm thinking about it. To give, to consecrate, to construct, and to worship. And that's all independent of this. See, a lot of us, our worship is dependent on all this. Lights and show and sound and band and the songs are great or the songs are bad. And That's, that's it. No, 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 that's, that's not it at all. It's this. Our hearts have to be willing to give. To give selfishly, selflessly, not out of selfish, Ah, maybe if I give, I'll get something in return. Yay, God, here you go. Nope. Give and let go. And then once we've given to say, you know what, God, no matter what you do with that, that's yours. I'm not just, this is not a loan, right? I'm not giving God a hundred bucks now hoping that I'll be blessed with a thousand later. That's not how this works. And if you hear that, that's not gospel. It's not truth. It's not how this is set up to work. We give, right? Of our time, our talents, our resources, our finances, our brokenness. Our joy. Give it all. And say, you know what, all? God, this is all yours. All of me is all yours. Consecrate myself and do what you want. Use me the way you want to. And then constructing. Some of us have given and some of us have, have, constr- has, have consecrated, but we haven't built anything. We're like, okay, I'm good. I gave to God a long time ago. It's like your wife. I told her I loved her once. It's still good. Right? It doesn't work needs to be heard again, heard again, and heard again by your, your wife and your husband. Some of us haven't built anything. We've given a long time ago, but you said, you know, I, I've got all the tools. I've got a great family. I've got a, a caring church. I've got a lovely spiritual environment. I've got a community of friends, and I'm building nothing with it. And then finally, worship. We have giving, consecrating, constructing, and then worshiping. This final tier, All of that begins in our hearts. See, a building or wherever we're going to go to next does us no good, zero good, to stay here or to go anywhere else or to meet in a tent. Well, a tent of meeting, doesn't matter. Wilkin Park Pavilion. Being anywhere does us no good if this is off. And every single one of us. All of this begins in our hearts. See our community, our country. We have forgotten the glory of the Lord. We've forgotten. A lot of churches show. A lot of communities just exist for secondary reasons. Oh, I've got a great group of friends there that they're in a peer group, you know, or my life group has all the same needs, likes, and wants that I do. Hooray. Great bunch of friends. Are you? See, we're gonna move forward as a church together. We've got to shake some things up. Our hearts have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. That's what lies ahead for us. What lies ahead for us is not a a building and we can't put our hopes in that. What lies ahead for us isn't a land or a space or a larger this, or a smaller that. Y'all with me on this, right? That's not what lies ahead for us. What lies ahead for us is all of our hearts to be giving, to be consecrated, to be constructing something for the Lord and worshiping Him. Because that's what it's about. And if our hearts aren't able to be written on by the Lord, to be molded, to be shaped like that clay talked about later in the New Testament if we can't be that malleable, moldable person that God needs, we have no business being in a building. As a community, and maybe some small respect to this church, but as a culture and as a country, we have forgotten the glory and the awe of the Lord. I'm going to invite the band up as we are going to close in prayer in just a moment. But I want you to just be thinking about this. I want to just leave you with that, that question of am, am i being set aside for the lord am i being consecrated am i am i being giving have i even given my heart to the lord or uh, do i give him this much on a certain time on a certain day on a certain week and and that's my gift to god god take all my 91 minutes I've been a great steward of your resources our hearts are what lies ahead. And I want our heart, my heart, to be changed. To be continue to be changed. To be changed now, to be changed later, to be changed later, 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 later. But we cannot forget the glory of the Lord, to give Him the space He deserves. And it's our hearts, it's yours, and it's mine. Let's pray.